Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco. Or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of Photo Taco on the Improved Photography Network. Thanks for spending a few minutes of your day with me. I'm your host, Jeff Harmon. And as be- has become usual, there are a couple of items to go over before we get to a listener-suggested topic for today's episode. First off is the first ever Improve Photography Retreat. There'll be classes. It's, it's kind of a conference of sorts, but we're trying to make it a whole lot more interactive and fun than a conference usually tends out to be. So there's going to be classes by me and the rest of the Improve Photography game, like Jim Harmer, Nick Page, Erica Kaufman, Connor Hibbs, and some guests that Jim has invited, some specialists in different areas that you can come in and have classes on. But we're going to have tons of shooting opportunities, lots of places you're going to be able to go and use your camera, not just sit at a desk and listen to people talk about using their camera. You're going to be able to actually use it. So it's going to be a really fun thing. It's our first time doing it. We're not exactly sure how it's going to go. If we're going to fill it up with tickets, we're limited to a cap. I think there's less than 50 of them left at the time of this recording here at the uh, latter part of August in 2016. So um, head over to Improve Photography Retreat. That's all squished together. Improve Photography Retreat. Dot com for all the information about it and go sign up while there's tickets available and I'd love to be able to see you there and interact with you and meet some of the listeners. Okay, second thing is a chance that you can help me out with something for a podcast I'm planning to do later in October 2016. I'm doing some serious testing of a, the JPEG Mini product. It's a product that aims to make it easy to export your photos to JPEG and keep them like the best possible settings to make your photo look really good, but still be as small a file as possible on your hard drive. So I'm not going to go into any more of that detail right now. That's what that episode's going to be later in October in 2016. But what I do need your help with is I need you to help me evaluate some photos that I've run through both processes. I've taken uh, 14 photos and I have picked several that were different, trying to make it so that we could see kind of the impact of this product on different styles of photos. Some that have a lot of detail, some that have less information in them. Uh, I wanna see how it interacts with the photos. And I want what I really wanna kinda of see is if photographers can pick out which is which. So I've, I got these 14 photos. I have an A version and a B version of the photo. And I want photographers to go through them. You can go download them from my website, and I'm going to give you a link in just a second that you can use to get instructions and find where to do all of this. But um, I want them to download the photos, the full-sized, full-resolution photos. And I want you to go pixel peep as much as you want. Download all 28, because there's an A and B version of these 14 photos. Download all 28 versions of the photo. Compare them against each other. And I want you to come, and there's a Google form where I want you to tell me, is a version A better or is version B better? And they're kind of randomly switched between whether A is the Lightroom one, where I exported out of Lightroom at 77% quality, or if A is the uh, JPEG Mini version of the photo, where JPEG Mini did the compression. I, I exported out of Lightroom at 100% first, 
And then I put it, ran it through the JPEG mini tool and it takes that hundred percent and compresses it down so that you, you supposedly can't tell that it did more compression on it, it but it could shrink the file by a ton. So anyway, I want to do a, a comparison against this and I want it to be kind of as blind a test as possible. So you've got A and B versions are kind of mixed up between which is which um, for each photo. And the way you can go help me is at a link. It's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y, bit.ly, slash L-R-V-J-Mini, J-M-I-N-I. I know that's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of a hard URL to say. I probably should have thought of something else, <laughs> but there it is. I've already set it all up, so we're going to use it. J, it. It's standing for Lightroom versus J-Mini. L-R-V-J mini. And I'll put, I'll be sending this link out on all of the social media accounts for the podcast and my own accounts on social media. So if you follow one of those, you'll, you'll get a link to it and you don't have to worry about remembering that, but it's bit.ly slash L-R-V-J mini Lightroom versus J mini. Okay. So you go to that link, you'll see, you'll see the Google form that I want you to fill out. And it has a link on that form to the Web, my website where you can download the original files and do a comparison. So I'd love to have help there. If, if you've got a few minutes that you can go spend some time on that, take a look at it. That would really, really help me. So that the more people who do that, the better the information is going to be in that podcast in late October. So go ahead and help me out. That would be great. All right, let's move on to today's topic. And it comes from Suzanne Silva. And Suzanne, I'm kind of partial to that name because that's the name of my wife. And, and she asked, I would love a photo taco episode on lenses. Explain what a different lens range means, what distortions you get with various lenses, if any, the difference in glass, the different lens names out there, and their quality. That's a tough question. It's a hard ask there, Suzanne, but I'm really glad you did. Before we get into like the actual stuff about lenses, I have to rant for just a second on something that I, I just... Oh, I really despise this part about photography. I don't know what it is about it. Maybe, I, I guess I do understand it a little better now because I've been doing this long enough that I've, I find myself falling into a trap. And that's using words so that people can't understand what you're talking about. I don't know. When I first started learning about photography, when I first started getting serious about it back in 2011, I found it so tough and overwhelming to try to understand what articles were, what podcasts were talking about. It was like they were speaking Greek. There's this foreign language they're using. And I just, oh, it was so hard to even follow because of the words they use. And I try very, very hard on this episode, on this podcast and on all the podcasts where I, I'm a guest, as well as in my writing at improvephotography.com and even just interactions with listeners one-on-one. -on -one. I interact with a lot of listeners regularly. I try so, so hard to not do that, not fall into that trap and use words that people won't know if they haven't been doing photography for, photography for a long time. So I'm going to try to avoid that as I, as I describe these lenses in a way that I, I hope can be something that someone who may not have a lot of background or history with photography will be able to grasp. That does mean that the rest of this episode, for those of you, it's probably about half the audience based on the, the feedback I get, probably about half of you are probably going to say, I already know everything there is to know about lenses. I fully get all of how they classify it and all the, all the stuff that Suzanne was asking about. Yeah, I got that. I got that. 
that's fine. Then you got it. You don't need to listen and you can move on to the next episode because this isn't going to be revolutionary. It's not going to be something where I'm bringing new information that you don't already have if you've been, if you're a pretty experienced photographer. I want to mix in these episodes every so often. I have a soft spot in my heart for beginners. I have a soft spot for people who are just starting out because it really wasn't that long ago I was starting out. I remember it very, very well. I remember the pain of overcoming this vocabulary challenge and I want to help them out. So I'm going to mix these in every so often. I'm going to, I try to represent a lot of different aspects about photography. I try to do advanced concepts. I, we probably overcover over the technical parts of it with using software and settings and configurations and so on. But uh, today we're going to focus on something that I hope can help people who are getting into photography, maybe just got past the point where they, they feel like they understand the exposure triangle. They kind of get that now. And now they, they realize I really need a better lens than came with my camera, but I don't get, I don't, I'm not sure what to do. I don't even know what this stuff means. That's what we're going to attack today. So for the rest of you, I get it. If you're going to move on, that's fine. Thanks for listening to this point. <laughs> All right. For those of you who then are sticking around, let's, uh, what I want to do is I want to use only three things that are really, really important when you're picking a new lens. Okay three of them. And you might be thinking, if you've looked into this at all, and you're, you, Suzanne, if, I don't know if the, the question came quite a while ago, so you may have totally figured this out since then, and, and you don't even need the help anymore. But if you started looking into it, you're going to think there's way more than three things that, have, that these lenses have as I'm looking through. They have this list of stuff about them, this list of attributes and things that describe the lens. And that's why it's so confusing and totally agree it is. Now, they kind of have to, right? The, the camera manufacturers, the lens manufacturers, they have to do that because they're competing against lenses that are also doing that. So it's, it's just kind of this feeding frenzy, this cycle or this loop where every time they release new lenses, they actually kind of want to add a new attribute. They want to have something else to say about this lens, something that they've done different with this lens that maybe no other lens has, or at least their previous lenses didn't have. And and so over time, as we continue moving forward, you're going to have more and more and more stuff in the description of these lenses. It gets even more technical, more complicated, more more difficult to understand. And I think some photographers would like it that way because they, they like to have this barrier to entry. They like to have it be that someone can't just pick up a camera and a lens and go, oh, I know what that is. I got it. They like to have it be that they're the smartest people in the room when this regarding this stuff, and uh, so I don't know. I, that really bothers me. That was my rant, what my rant was. But let's get back to the lenses. So, the lenses. There's three things, and I want you to really pretty much ignore the rest because it, at the point of trying to understand how you're going to compare lenses against each other and being really confused. Those are the three things that are really the biggest things. Really the things that are most important are those three things. And it, those three things are focal length, aperture, and I'm going to call it stabilization. Stabilization. It's unfortunate on that third one that camera or, well, both camera manufacturers and lens manufacturers have different trademarked terms or copyright, I'm not sure which, Terms that, um, you know, they use that no one else does 
for that same kind of meaning. And we'll get to what it is as the third thing, kind of at the end of the episode here. But let's let's start with the first two. Well, we'll start with the first one. Let's start with focal length. That's kind of the biggest distinguishing factor between lenses. Right at the get-go is focal length. And right at the get-go, I think we confuse people. Focal length. That just doesn't make any sense to people who maybe have never looked at photography. Focal length. What on earth does focal length mean? And I, I, I can totally empathize. And we, uh, not only that, but photographers don't end up using the whole term up frequently. They might talk about reach. They might talk about length. They might talk in words where it's just not clear. And so focal length is a tough thing to do uh, justice to in audio format. You really need either video or in person or a visual format to be able to illustrate it well. It can become a really simple thing when you see it visually and describing it orally is tough. So I'll do my best, but really if you go look to it and, and Suzanne, if this question was long enough ago, you probably already seen these things and you, you probably have answered this part of the question already. But focal length broken down into its most generic and simplest form, there's kind of four categories of focal length that, that I want to talk about. And um, it's tough to describe what it is, but let's let's compare it to the normal kind of vision you have using your own two eyes. That's probably going to be the easiest way to, to think about it in the audio format that I can do right here. All right, so as you look with your own two eyes, as you look forward and you don't move your head side to side and you don't move your eyes side to side, there's a certain portion of what is in front of you that you can see. And the portion that's in focus is kind of what we want to talk about. The, the stuff that is kind of in your peripheral vision off to the side that you can vaguely tell is there, but you don't really get a lot of focus on. You certainly couldn't like read from it very well. You'd have to move your head or your eyes. Okay, that doesn't count. <laughs> that is out of your focal length, we'll say, of your eyes, okay? But what you can see using your own two eyes without moving your head or your eyes, let's call that the standard or normal focal length, all right? And they're lenses that fit into that category. Now, if you go a little bit beyond that, let's start going into your peripheral vision there. If a lens could capture all of that area in front of you, that's probably about a wide angle lens. That's what it's called as a wide angle lens. And any, and then further than that, maybe beyond your peripheral vision, or at least beyond some, somewhere really far out to the left and right of what you see, that would be ultra wide angle. And then it, let's go back beyond standard. If you put, let's say, binoculars in front of your eyes, and that's kind of effectively like zooming, right? What you can see, you're, you're moving in closer than what your eyes can see. That's what an area that's called telephoto. And there's even like super telephoto. And you could get more technical with all of this, of course, but we're trying to keep it simple just to give you the basic idea about these lenses. So let's talk about then how this is on a lens and how you can kind of read it and what it sees. And I've got two lenses sitting right in front of me as I'm recording this down in my, my little home studio here. And one of them is the kit lens that came with a camera, my very first DSLR back in 2011. It's a Canon um, EFS 
18-55mm is what's written on it. EFS 18-55mm. And so photographers normally talk about that saying, oh, that's an 18 to 55. That's how they'll, they'll, they'll refer to the lens. That's an 18 to 55 lens. And then I also have right in front of me is a really ancient lens. And I, I picked this one to talk about because, um, not because it's, it's ancient, but because it, it, there's an aspect of this that bothers me. We'll get to in one moment, but it's, I'm not even sure how to pronounce it. Cause it's, it's a really old lens that was given to me after someone discovered I was into photography. It was a, a friend of mine who said, you know, I have this old bag of stuff from, I think, his grandfather. And so he gave it to me, and this lens was in there. And it's, it's a Quantaray. I don't know if that's how you say it. It's not a, a brand I am familiar with other than it was in this bag. Quantaray for Canon AF is what's written on the lens. Okay, so that, that one's also here. And it has written on it 70 300 mm so that's a it, photographers would say that's a 70 to 300 millimeter lens all right so let's compare these two lenses the first one that kit lens i talked about that we we would say 18 to 55 millimeters would probably be considered between wide at 18 millimeters up to standard or normal at 55 millimeters so 18 is is wide angle for sure. You might be able to say it's even ultra wide kind of depends on, on what else you're talking about. The, there's not established guidelines for sure on how it needs to be, but let's call it wide. All right. So, and then there's numbers that are on the lens. There's, there's numbers on the lens, the part of the lens that kind of rotates the part that makes it zoom in and out. It, it goes from 18 on the left to 24, to 35, to 55, all the way over to the right. and But it only has 18, 24, 35, and 55 numbers on the lens, yet it just transitions smoothly from the 18 to the 55. And the, the reason for that is those numbers are focal lengths that photographers often want to know when they're at that focal length. Because they know some things that happen at those focal lengths. So 18, well, that's the furthest it goes. That's the widest the lens goes. Remember, that's it's wide angle at that point. So it's kind of into that peripheral vision area we were talking about as you compare it to your own two eyes. And as you transition forward up to 35 is a common focal length that you would use for landscapes or architecture where you want to limit the distortion that's in the photo. Let's talk briefly about distortion. It has to do with um, the the visual effect you see of the photo when you have distortion happening would be that things that used to be straight lines are kind of bent now. They, they look distorted. And we're not going to go into the why the distortion happens. Uh, took some attempts at that in previous Photo Taco episodes. But that that's kind of why these numbers are on there because photographers can know if I shoot at this focal length, this thing's going to happen. And so there's some, some common numbered focal lengths that are labeled on the lens for that purpose. And you'll, it's kind of interesting because you have 18 on this lens, then you have 24, 35. Those are all fairly close, but then it goes all the way from 35 to 55 with no numbers. And if you look on the other lens, you have, (laughs) 
and this is I'm okay. I'm going to tell you the thing. The reason I don't like shooting with this lens that much, besides the fact that it's really not a very sharp lens, meaning it's so old that when I put it on my DSLR camera today, my Canon 70 Mark II, uh, you can tell that the lens is not keeping up with the sensor. The detail the sensor is capable of capturing, the lens is not capable of sending it enough detail. So it's a very, it's not a sharp lens. It's so old. It may be also off. I, I really don't know how long it was in a bag, how it was treated. I don't know if uh, there's something wrong with the lens. I don't shoot with it anymore because of that. But anyway, this one, as I was talking about the Canon lens, it went from left to right that way. And that means that you move the ring a, a certain direction. You move the ring um, to the right in order to get smaller on the focal length, go wider on the view, and you move it to the left to zoom in. Well, this Quantere, Quantere, I don't know how you pronounce it again, <laughs> it's labeled from the left on 300 to the right on 70. So it's exactly the opposite of my Canon lens. And all my Canon lenses are all the same way. I'll, most of the others I use are that way. There's only a couple I've got where it's reversed and you have to go the opposite direction to zoom in or zoom out. And it's just, oh, I don't like that at all. <laughs> all right, so be, because I always zoom the wrong direction, I'm too used to zooming, turning the ring a specific way to make it zoom in or out. So that's that's what those numbers mean. That's It's affecting the field of view, and the field of view is bigger. There's way more that fits into the photo, like more than your peripheral vision in those smaller numbers, 18 millimeters, 10 millimeters, eight millimeters, or some go way down to eight millimeters. That means the field of view is massive. You fit a huge amount of the scene that would be in front of you onto a single photo by doing that. And then the bigger the number gets, the more zoomed in the, that field of view becomes. You can go see images of this really simple. If you go to improvephotography.com and search for focal length, or if you any any website, if you just Google focal length, I guarantee that you're gonna find a photo that has kind of these squares and it has numbers written on it. You'll probably it'll probably have that like the square on the outside is like 16 millimeters, and then it will show 18 and 30 and 55 and 70, and 200 will end up looking like this little itty bitty square, and that's because that's what the entire photo will show when you put a 200 millimeter lens on the camera. So focal length is the one is probably the very biggest thing that's on a lens that you would be looking at. And so now common focal lengths for common uses. All right, so for landscape, you usually want to have a little bit wider angle lens. You usually want something that's going to be able to capture a lot of the scene at once. Not always, and I have a lot of fun myself doing panoramas where I actually use a telephoto lens, and I'm zoomed in a lot, say 200 millimeters, and I stitch them together. But that's it's it takes a lot of work, it's a lot more effort. Um, I just personally like it because you get a lot of quality out of it, and I can use gear that's a little bit more inferior, cheaper, okay, more inexpensive gear, stitch them together, and kind of end up with an equivalent image, maybe even a little better image than you get from a single shot with a really nice lens and a very expensive camera and lens. 
So on the hobbyist budget that I run on, that's a choice that I make. And I, I enjoy it. I like doing the post-process and I like seeing what I can get out of it by, by doing that work. But it, in general, landscape, architecture, you want to use a wide angle lens. 18 millimeters is a pretty good normal wide angle lens on a crop sensor, 28 on a full frame, 14 on a micro four thirds. And you might think, well, why is that different? The lens numbers might be exactly the same. Like you might buy a lens that has says 28 millimeters on it. And when you put it on an APS-C sensor, it actually won't be 28 millimeters because it's, it's a zoom. Now I've done a whole podcast about full frame versus crop. So go listen to that if you don't understand what that is and, and listen to that information. But um, they're different because of a, a crop factor and how that works. We'll leave it at that. Okay, so 18 millimeters, 28 millimeters, somewhere in there. It's the lower numbers for landscape and architecture, anything where you want to fit it in. It can be used for portraits, especially group portraits. I've done a fair amount of group portraits with it. You got to be a little careful. You got you really want kind of want to get people um, towards the middle as much as possible and not on the edges. A lot of lenses that are wide angle. As you get out to the edges of the lens, the the quality of the image goes down, the distortion goes up. So someone who sits on the very edge, if you are taking a portrait and you have like a group, the people on the very edge are gonna they may end up looking a little stretched or distorted. <laughs> That's the word to use, distorted. And so you you kind of have to you might have to be a little bit careful. Um, but I've seen some really fun fun kind of images of portraits where wide angle has been used. Then you have, let's say the standard, the 50 millimeter is kind of a standard all the way up to all, well, that might qualify as telephoto 85 on a full frame, 85 millimeters on a full frame is really kind of the go-to portrait lens, uh, focal length that a lot of photographers like is that 85 millimeter range on a full frame on an APS-C or yeah, it's probably more like a 50. 50 millimeter range. And um, the, there's a couple of reasons for it. Um, it's, it tends to flatter people the most. It, you get something called compression that makes it so that they look uh, maybe even a little skinnier than normal. <laughs> if you, uh, um, it, there's less distortion at those focal lengths, like edge to edge. It's, pr it's a lot sharper than it, it tends to be at wide angle. And so that's pretty good. Um, so portraits, yeah, that, that's a good reason to use it. It's also um, 50 millimeter in a prime lens. And let's, let's talk about prime really quickly. Prime means there's no way to change the focal length. And the lenses I've talked about so far, the Canon lens and this Quantare lens, um, they can zoom. They go between two numbers. The, the kit lens went from 18 to 55. And this Quantare lens went from 70 to 300. And there's a ring on it, and you can zoom it in and out, and it changes the focal length based on how you put that lens in and out. A prime lens doesn't change focal length. It is one focal length. There's no ring to zoom in or out. And so you can get, you can get primes in any of these focal ranges. You can get primes that are ultra-wide. You can get primes that are standard. You can get primes that are telephoto. And because they don't have to move in or out, the optics don't have to change. They can be cheaper, lots cheaper. 
They can also really focus on other elements, other aspects of the lens, and make it so that you get some really high quality stuff without having to have, when they don't have to worry about changing the focal length, they can focus on the other things and do a better job at them. So you can get higher image quality by doing that. That's why really I recommend the 50 millimeter f1.8 lens and we're going to talk about what the 1.8 means in just a second Um, that's kind of the second lens i think people should get you're going to get a kit lens that's great because you need a lens to use your camera so when you first buy a camera get a kit lens they're not terrible terrible they're they're useful it's how you can start to learn your your camera but when you feel like that lens is no longer is limiting you that's what i should say when you feel like the lens is limiting you 50 millimeter f1.8 lens prime lens because it's is cheap they're about 100 bucks usually somewhere around there close to that and so they're they're pretty cheap but the image quality the improvement in image quality is significant so there there you go all right i I hope that's enough about focal length i hope you kind of get what focal length is and that's one of the most important aspects that's on the lens it's written on there in millimeters lower the number the wider the photo the more fits in the picture and then the bigger the number the more zoomed in you get and the the more the smaller fits in the picture and uh so there you go that's that's focal length all right the second factor is aperture and we're not going to talk about what aperture means very much because i've done that over and over and over on the photo taco podcast and we've done it in proof photography And I hope that if you're wondering about lenses, you already know aperture because you hopefully know the exposure triangle. So we're not going to talk about what aperture does as you're using photos, but it's important. It's the second important aspect on a lens as you're looking at it. And the the thing to look for is whether what the, the aperture can be, what the maximum aperture can be for a focal length. So on a on that prime lens I talked about just a second ago, 50 millimeter f1.8. So that's a focal length of 50 millimeters, and it's an aperture, a maximum aperture of 1.8. That's the most you can open it up. And aperture is tough because I, in fact, I have to, just now, as I said, you have to open it up. I had to think. I still had to think after all this time of doing the podcast. I had to think about, is that stopping down or is that opening up? and it's opening up. (laughs) So 1.8 means you're opening that aperture really, really wide, and it's a smaller number. What, What the thing to consider is in aperture is if it's going to be the the same maximum aperture throughout the focal range. And in these zoom lenses that I'm working, that I'm looking at here, the Canon lens has written right on it. Oh, actually, it doesn't have it written on it. But I know it is an f3.5 to 5.6. And usually they have that written somewhere, but I don't see it actually written on this lens. I'm going to take the, the back off. No, nope, it's not there. So it's not actually written on the lens, but, oh, it is. It's on the front element. That's right. So you can see on the front element, it has, um, it has EF-S. And then it has 18-55mm, so that's the focal length. And then the next set of numbers is 1 colon 3.5-5.6. All right? So that means that it's going to go a maximum aperture of 3.5 at the widest focal length at 18 millimeters. 
you can go all the way open to f 3.5. And then as you zoom from 18 millimeters in the focal length, as you zoom in to 55, when you arrive or somewhere by the time you're at 55 or maybe a little before, you're going to be forced into a maximum aperture, the widest open you can possibly get because it's a hardware limitation in the lens. The optics in the lens don't support it is 5.6. All right, so that, that kit lens only has a maximum aperture, the widest it can go, of 3.5 at the widest when the focal length is at 18 to 5.6 when the focal length is 55. That means you can't do an f2.8 shot with this lens because it doesn't allow the hardware, the optics in this lens cannot do an aperture of 2.8 at all. It doesn't matter what zoom, what focal length you're shooting it at, it can't do it. And you can't even get to 3.5 or 4.0 when you're at 55 millimeters using this lens. The, the most wide open you can go is 5.6. So that's something that's important to know as you're buying this lens, right? You've got to know and understand, know what you're getting when you buy this lens, that those are the apertures that are supported. Now, the other lens that I have, this Quantaray, it has written on it 70 300 millimeter. Then it has below that 1 colon 4 5.6. So now, if you catch it on, that means at 70 millimeters, I can go a the, the maximum aperture is 4, and at 300 millimeters, the widest open I can go is 5.6. So it doesn't even go to 3.5 on any part of the zoom. It doesn't go 3.5. It doesn't go 2.8. It doesn't go 1.4. It doesn't go anything else. Those are the widest open it can go. And they don't really tell you what the other, like the labeling won't tell you the other extreme, how, how stopped down you can go on the lens, uh, like F22, F... 18. It doesn't you because that's usually not something that most people are worried about. They want to know how wide open you can shoot it. That's the thing that, that you'd be there. So lens quality, when you want Suzanne, when your question was about lens quality, that's one of the big things you'll know. A quality lens will have the same maximum aperture throughout the zoom, throughout the focal length. So when you buy um an f4 a, a really nice zoom lens let's say it's a a 100 to 300 lens that's f4 throughout the lens this lens that i have that's a 70 to 300 well it it does f4 at 70 but quickly will will not go to, to f4 any longer as you zoom further and further out and when you get to 300 it only supports 5.6 so that lens that supports four f4 at 300 millimeters is a higher quality lens they, they've done a lot of work to make sure that the optics will be good and that they can um, control the aperture and have high quality image come out of it at f4 and that's an indicator that it's it's better or you might see a an l lens for canon that is a 70 to 200 that's 2.8 and it's 2.8 throughout. So they don't list a 2.8 dash and a number. It's just 2.8 because throughout the zoom, throughout the focal length, you can do 2.8. And that's kind of a, that's, that's an indicator of the quality of the lens. 
So there's the aperture number and how that relates to it. And hopefully you can read it on the lens now. All right, the last thing is image stabilization. And we're, I call this stabilization. Unfortunately, there's other terms for this. And there's other ways that stabilization can happen. It can happen in the body and not in the lens. But image stabilization in a lens is trying to compensate for hand shake. As you're hand holding the camera, it's trying to compensate for your, your hand shaking and make it so that the, the lens will take the shake out. The, as you shake your hand when you're shooting, it, it blurs what you're taking the picture of, especially at slower shutter speeds. You're not shooting, the, that shutter is open for a longer period of time, and as you move, as your hand shakes, and the, it doesn't matter if you have the, heady, the steadiest hand in the world, it's gonna shake, then, um, then it's, it, it becomes blurry, and your pictures don't have the sharpness that they should. It doesn't mean it's fully blurred. It could just be a tiny bit of camera shake. It can make it just seem off a little bit, and it impacts the sharpness of the photo. So image stabilization is the third thing to pay attention to. And it's a switch. You turn it on and turn it off. And when it's on, the camera will try to compensate for vibrations or shakes that your hand makes and try to keep the image so that it will be sharp. And those uh, shakes or the image stabilization can take it out. Now, there's been a recommend. I already talked about this on a, on a photo taco episode before about image stabilization being on or off when you shoot it on a tripod. And my recommendation is if you can remember to turn it on and off, turn it off when you're on a tripod. Now, if you won't remember, if it's going to be something you're going to forget, just leave it on all the time and take your chances. But it is possible that the camera is going to miss misinterpret camera shake. And actually you're going to end up with blurry images when it's mounted on a tripod and it's it's safer to just turn it off and you'll you'll not have that impact your image um, most of the cameras now with the lenses they work together and they can kind of figure out they're on a tripod so it like auto turns off but if you can remember it's safer just to turn it off and leave it off so there those are the three aspects of a lens that I think are important for you to consider. Hopefully that makes sense. Hopefully you kind of kind of understand that and that's how you can compare them. There's going to be a reason if it's a if it's got a, if it's a, a zoom lens that has focal length you can change and the aperture stays the same throughout the focal length. That's there's a reason those are more expensive. And that's cuz they are better quality lenses. The optics in them is better. And they've spent, the camera or the lens manufacturers have spent a lot of money researching how it is that they can put glass in there so that it will work very well to be able to produce that kind of image quality. And it takes, it that's represented in the price. You pay for that research for sure. Okay, that's it for the episode. Thanks so much for joining me. You know, we've tried a couple of new things on the podcast. I had guests join me. I'd love to have feedback i uh, love to interact with the, the listeners in anything you'd like. You can catch me on social media, my personal accounts, as well as accounts for the podcast. Follow me, follow the podcast on Instagram, at Photo Taco Podcast. There's lots of stuff. It's, it's a brand new account there, but um, it's the official account for the podcast. And I'm going to be leveraging that a lot more going forward. So follow that one and uh, and check that out. Be sure to head over to the uh, improvephotographyretreat.com to sign up for the retreat. 
and of course the improvephotography.com website. Without that website, this podcast would not be possible and you need to go check it out. There's new stuff going daily on that podcast. If you're not visiting, if you're a photographer and you're not going every single day to improvephotography.com, you are missing out on information that can help you. So be sure to stay there. Easy for me to say, huh? You'd think I wouldn't do that anymore after doing a lot of podcast episodes, but yeah, still trip over my tongue. All right. Anyway, it is the best way to improve your photography. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of improved photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a permission is reserved. Olay!